0: CHAPTER Ten of The Negro in Literature and Art in the United States This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Randall The Negro in Literature and Art in the United States by Benjamin Griffith Brawley Painters Henry O. Tanner Painting has long been a medium through which the artistic spirit of the race yearned to find expression. As far back as in the work of Phyllis Wheatley, there is a poem addressed to S. M. Sheepio Moorhead, a young African painter, one of whose subjects was the story of Damon and Pythias. It was a hundred years more, however, before there was really artistic production. E.M. Bannister, whose home was at Providence, though little known to the younger generation, was very prominent 40 years ago. He gathered about himself a coterie of artists and rich men that formed the nucleus of the Rhode Island Art Club, and one of his pictures took a medal at the Centennial Exposition of 1876. William A. Harper Who died in 1910 was a product of the chicago art institute at whose exhibitions his pictures received much favorable comment about 1908 and 1910 on his return from his first period of study in paris his avenue of poplars took a prize of one hundred dollars at the institute other typical subjects were the last gleam the hillside and the gray dawn Great hopes were awakened a few years ago by the landscapes of Richard L. Brown, and the portrait work of Edwin A. Harlston is destined to become better and better known. William E. Scott of Indianapolis is becoming more and more distinguished in mural work, landscape, and portraiture, and among all the painters of the race now working in this country is outstanding he has spent several years in paris la pauvre voisin accepted by the salon in nineteen twelve was afterwards bought by the argentine government a second picture exhibited in the salon in nineteen thirteen la mazare was reproduced in the french catalogue and took first prize at the indiana state fair the next year la connoisseur was exhibited in the Royal Academy in London in 1913. Mr. Scott has done the mural work in ten public schools in Chicago, four in Indianapolis, and especially was he commissioned by the city of Indianapolis to decorate two units in the city hospital, this task embracing 300 life-size figures. Some of his effects in coloring are very striking and in several of his recent pictures he has emphasized racial subjects the painter of assured fame and commanding position is henry ossawa tanner the early years of this artist were a record of singular struggle and sacrifice born in pittsburgh in eighteen fifty nine the son of a minister of very limited means he received his early education in philadelphia For years he had to battle against uncertain health. In his thirteenth year, seeing an artist at work, he decided that he too would become a painter, and he afterwards became a student at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. While still a very young man, he attempted drawings of all sorts and sent these to various New York publishers, only to see them promptly returned. A check, however, for $40 for one that did not return encouraged him, and a picture, A Lion at Home, from the exhibition of the Academy of Design, brought $80. He now became a photographer in Atlanta, Georgia, but met with no real success, and for two years he taught drawing at Clark University in Atlanta. In this period came a summer of struggle in the mountains of North Carolina. And the knowledge that a picture that had originally sold for fifteen dollars had brought two hundred and fifty dollars at an auction in Philadelphia. Desiring now to go to Europe, and being encouraged by Bishop and Mrs. Hartzell, the young painter gave in Cincinnati an exhibition of his work. The exhibition failed. Not a picture was regularly sold. Bishop and Mrs. Hartzell, however, Gave the artist a sum for the entire collection, and thus equipped he set sail for Rome January 4, 1891, going by way of Liverpool and Paris. In the story of his career that he contributed to the world's work some years ago, Mr. Tanner gave an interesting account of his early days in Paris. Acquaintance with the great French capital induced him to abandon thoughts of going to Rome but there followed five years of pitiless economy broken only by a visit to philadelphia where he sold some pictures he was encouraged however by benjamin constant and studied in the julian academy in his early years he had given attention to animals and landscape but more and more he was drawn towards religious subjects daniel in the lion's den in the salon in eighteen ninety six brought honorable mention, the artist's first official recognition. He was inspired and very soon afterwards he made his first visit to Palestine, the land that was afterwards to mean so much to him in his work. The resurrection of Lazarus in 1897 was bought by the French government and now hangs in the Luxembourg. The enthusiasm awakened by this picture was so great that a friend wrote to the painter at venice come home tanner to see the crowds behold your picture after twenty years of heartbreaking effort henry tanner had become a recognized artist his later career is a part of the history of the world's art he won a third-class medal at the salon in eighteen ninety seven a second-class medal in nineteen oh seven second-class medals at the paris exposition in nineteen hundred at the buffalo exposition in nineteen o one and at the st louis exposition in nineteen o four a gold medal at san francisco in nineteen fifteen the walter lippincott prize in philadelphia in nineteen hundred and the harris prize of five hundred dollars in nineteen o six for the best picture in the annual exhibition of american paintings at the Chicago Art Institute. Mr. Tanner's later life has been spent in Paris with trips to the Far East, to Palestine, to Egypt, to Algiers, and Morocco. Some years ago, he joined the colony of artists at Trepied, where he has built a commodious home and studio. Miss McChesney has described this for us. His studio is an ideal workroom being high-ceilinged spacious and having the least possible furniture utterly free from masses of useless studio stuff and paraphernalia the walls are of a light gray and at one end hangs a fine tapestry oriental carved wooden screens are at the doors and windows leading out of it is a small room having a domed ceiling and picturesque high windows in this simply furnished room He often poses his models, painting himself in the large studio, the sliding door between being a small one. He can often make use of lamplight effects, the daylight in the larger room not interfering. Within recent years, the artist has kept pace with some of the newer schools by brilliant experimentation in color and composition. Moonlight scenes appeal to him most, he seldom paints other than biblical subjects except perhaps a portrait such as that of the khadiv or rabbi wise a landscape may attract him but it is sure to be idealized he is thoroughly romantic in tone and in spirit if not in technique there is much to connect him with Holman hunt the pre-raphaelite painter in fact he long had in mind even if he has not actually worked out a picture entitled the scapegoat the annunciation as well as the resurrection of lazarus was bought by the french government and the two disciples at the tomb was bought by the chicago art institute the bagpipe lesson and the banjo lesson are in the library at hampton institute other prominent titles are christ and nicodemus Jews Waiting at the Wall of Solomon Stephen Before the Council Moses and the Burning Bush The Mothers of the Bible A series of five paintings of Mary, Hagar, Sarah, Rachel, and the Mother of Moses that marked the commencement of paintings containing all or nearly all female figures. Christ at the Home of Mary and Martha The Return of the Holy Women and the five virgins of christ and his disciples on the road to bethany one of the most remarkable of all the pictures for subdued coloring the painter says i have taken the tradition that christ never spent a day in jerusalem but at the close of day went to bethany returning to the city of strife in the morning of a flight into egypt he says never shall i forget the magnificence Of two persian jews that i once saw at rachel's tomb what a magnificent abraham either one of them would have made nor do i forget a ride one stormy christmas night to bethlehem dark clouds swept the moonlit skies and it took little imagination to close one's eyes to the flight of time and see in those hurrying travelers the crowds that hurried bethlehemward on that memorable night of the nativity or to transpose the scene and see in each hurrying group a flight into Egypt as to which one of all these pictures excels the others critics are not in perfect agreement the resurrection of Lazarus is in subdued coloring while the Annunciation is noted for its effects of light and shade This latter picture must, in any case, rank very high in any consideration of the painter's work. It is a powerful portrayal of the Virgin at the moment when she learns of her great mission. Mr. Tanner has the very highest ideals for his art. These could hardly be better stated than in his own words. It has very often seemed to me that many painters of religious subjects in our time seem to forget that their pictures should be as much works of art, regardless of the subject, as are other paintings with less holy subjects. To suppose that the fact of the religious painter having a more elevated subject than his brother-artist makes it unnecessary for him to consider his picture as an artistic production, or that he can be less thoughtful about a color harmony, for instance, than he who selects any other subject, simply proves that he is less of an artist than he who gives the subject his best attention certainly no one could ever accuse henry tanner of insincere workmanship his whole career is an inspiration and a challenge to aspiring painters and his work is a monument of sturdy endeavor and exalted achievement end of chapter ten